So this is my first baby, right? Um, Live Again. Um, I wrote this book basically uh, after experiencing the death of my parents and processing through it. So it's a guide to processing the pain, hurt, and disappointments of life. And what I do in this book, um, most people write a book and they just tell you what they went through and what their experiences were. I share my experiences from a testimonial standpoint, but I also give you a guide to process to get to a place of healing, right? So in this book, it's jam-packed with my personal testimony so that you can see my transparency and we can connect that way. But it's also going to help you to be like, oh, okay, I ain't just read her book and know everything she went through. I read her book. So this is how you can kind of navigate through that. And it's not going to be mirrored, but I promise you, I have put my heart in this. Faith Dickens is a certified counselor, author, speaker, and chief executive officer of Live Again Counseling Services. Live Again Counseling Services was created to assist people in processing relationship challenges, grief, pain, hurt, and disappointment. Faith is experienced and trained to help people overcome adverse life-changing events. She is a native of South Florida, where she currently resides with her family. Faith is a graduate of Nova Southeastern University with certifications from the North American Association of Counselors and Columbia University Center for Complicated Grief. Although we have ups and downs throughout the course of life, having a counselor walk you through the most difficult times in life makes a tremendous difference. Allow faith to counsel you in this so-called life. One of her greatest fulfillments is being able to navigate people through the dark tunnels of relationship issues, grief, trauma, and self-improvement into the bright avenue of hope. Faith's heart desires to see people become completely whole while living out their purpose destiny. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sober as Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan, and I'm super pumped about today's episode. Our guest today is Faith Dickens, and Faith is the CEO of Live Again Counseling Services, and she's also the author of the book, Live Again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the most important topics that I really wanted to bring home for the Sober's Dope and Recovery community and everyone that's part of the podcast that just listened to it for healing. I just wanted to really talk about grief and give you guys practical ways in which you can cope with grief and how to process grief and how to process pain. And this is so important, especially with our current environment, with the COVID-19 pandemic, and also with everyone in recovery, having 
positive coping mechanisms in regards to dealing with loss and grief can be the difference between us binging, relapsing, or finding our recovery. So it's so important that we get some professional insights. So I'm really excited to connect with Faith Dickens today. In addition to being a certified counselor, Faith Dickens is also a minister and woman of God. And I'm really, really pumped for that because I really wanted to talk with someone who had that background to support the counseling aspect because it just takes a lot out of, it took a lot out of me when I lost my dad. I know it takes a lot out of the many people out there. We all experience loss and most of us take it really hard and it's just so important. So with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy my episode with the wonderful Faith Dickens. She is extremely humble, full of knowledge, we could talk forever. I feel like we could do three or four podcasts on multiple subjects. I promise you guys to bring you quality people each time. And I'm here to deliver. With no further ado, enjoy our episode with Faith Dickens. Thank you. How are you doing today, Faith? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Let me just say thank you for having me. I feel so honored to be a part of this. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, the honor is ours. I I reached out to um, people in the grief space and counselors, and you was the first one to graciously reply back to me. And this is one of the most important things I needed to talk about, especially for the Sober is Dope community. So thank you. Um, Faith, before we start, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Let them know about your origin story, what got you into counseling, and what brings you here today? And so, okay, so my name's Safe Dickens. I am CEO, like he said, of Live Again Counseling Services, and I can be reached at www.liveagaincs.com, right? Um, oftentimes, I offer a number of workshops, but there's been a lot going on, so I haven't been doing that lately. I'm going to get back to that probably the end of next month. But a little bit about me is that... Um, In 2001, I was engaged to be married, and uh, about four days before I got married, uh, I found my fiancé dead, and so um, I went from planning a wedding to helping his family um, pick out a coffin and all of that kind of stuff, right? 25 years old, Um, it was... It was, I don't even know how to explain that. Like, it was crazy. So I dealt with that and um, I really didn't grieve properly. It took me a really long time to get past it, to start back living again and, and hence, hence the counseling live again. So let's fast forward to 2014. 2014, I lost my mother and my father seven months and eight days apart. And so um, in this um, my dad died February 14th of 2014. My mom died September 22nd, seven months later. Um, my parents had been married for 47 years. This was a little bit different from when my fiance passed. I think it it was more difficult in terms of the pain. The pain was great with all of them, but it was different because I dealt with a lot of outside stuff in terms of dealing with the grief. Um, There was stuff going on in my family. Um, My character was severely being attacked and assassinated. Um, 
And so I, I went through a whole lot. And so that was in 2014, 2015. I'm moving on to just going to some business stuff. And I hired this coach and we're having this call and she's going over stuff with me. And I kind of subtly mentioned that my parents had passed the year before. And she's like, um, I want to go back to that. You mentioned your parents. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, what's up? You know, like, and she goes, um, did you go to grief counseling? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. She's like, no, 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 no. And I'm on the phone like, lady, I hired you to speak to me about business. She's like, sweetie, you can't go past your healing. Mm, Okay. So I was just like, but I took her advice. And um, later that, maybe like a month or so later, I started grief counseling. And it was in grief counseling that I discovered that I had a passion to help people that was dealing with the pain of grief. And at that point, it's funny because you're in New York. And so at that point, the grief counselor was like, Faith, you know, if you want, you can, um, why don't don't you start testing it out? You can start, you know, helping out and volunteering here, which I did. She said, but Columbia University has this um, this program called Complicated Grief. And you can go there and take workshops and so so forth. And so um, in the summer of 2015, my daughter and I flew to Columbia, right? I had no idea. It was lap dab in the middle of Harlem. Like I'm green. Like I'm a South Florida girl. It's very different from New York, Absolutely. right? We have, we have green grass. It's it's just we have our neighborhoods, but it's different. It's a different landscape. It is. It is. Right. right. So <laughs> when we got dropped off in our Uber, like I know there are different parts of Harlem because they're doing a whole lot. But I was just like, really? Uh, okay. Nobody. <laughs> it was like culture shop. And yeah. I've been in New York several times, but I had never had to stay like in Harlem or anything. Yeah, yeah. So at any rate, um, we went and and I, and I did that. I came back. I did some certifications, and I'm even working on some 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 um additional education as we speak concerning that. But um, what happened was um, I'm also a licensed minister, and so what I found was, and my parents were pastors. What I found was it was very difficult because everything was with your parents are with the Lord and this and that. And so from my perspective, it was like they kept over spiritualizing. It wasn't the point where, where my parents were. I was comfortable with that. I knew that, but I'm in pain. How do I handle the absence of the two people in my life that supported me more than anybody? The two people in my life that showed up, bumped my siblings, bumped aunts, aunts and uncles and everybody else and friends and, you know, Spouses, mama and daddy was ride or die, right? Right. So how do I how do I handle now? How do I handle their absence? And this is forever while I'm here. Like they're not coming back. So for me, it was um, it was a challenge to process this. And so I went on my own quest because I'm like I can't be the only one. It was not just just being in church. I mean, people are dealing with this, and I know people go. To counseling and whatnot and what we tend to do especially in our community we go for that one session and we think we perfect right like we don't want to continue and so that's basically um how i got started and the difference was when my fiance died i think i did one counseling session with like my pastor at the time and he wasn't a grief counselor and that's another thing people get it all mixed up like everybody can't do that and so um with my parents it was a totally different outcome a book came out of it after I processed it properly. There's so many relationships. I'm here today because I processed it properly, you know, and I began to find more of who faith was ministerially because everybody's not coming to the four walls of the church. 
So I'm meeting people from all walks of life. They don't have to be a Christian. They don't have to do, you know, have the same belief systems as me, but as I do, but pain is pain. Right. And two things humans share that everybody wants to be loved and everybody has experienced some type of pain. That's right. That's right. And you know what? First and foremost, um, may I send my condolences to your mom and dad and fiance and um, God, you know, I know how it is. I lost my father when I was 13 years old, 12 or 13. Um, and it was just one of the, it, that's the whole catalyst. That's the whole point of my life like from that point I was like that was my identity I this kid who lost his dad and I was jammed up with it because I was young and he was my hero and I just didn't I, I didn't experience death before that it was no one that died I mean you know they kept everything insulated if my grandparents died after uh, when my grandmother passed away she was in another country so I never really had no firsthand experience with death and then my dad passes away and I'm praying every day so I definitely know it's hard when it's a parent right. and it's equal it's equally in its own unique way hard when it's a when it's a lover someone yeah. that you're in love with and so I know you had to go through a lot so my condolences go out to you there so you went you go to Columbia you take these courses you go on your own steps and then and, and now you decide that you want to settle in grief counseling and um so how has that experience been for you and how's that journey how long have you been doing it so I started, um, so when I came back in 2015 and I started kind of toying with it in 2016, but 2017, I officially launched Live Again Counseling Services. Okay. And so um, I've been doing it ever since. And we know that grief is not just the loss of a loved one, right? right. Um, it can definitely be um, grieving the loss of a career. It could be grieving the loss of, um, you know, your health. You know what I mean? Somebody right. could be on dialysis, found out that they have cancer. Um, it could be the, you know, grieving your empty nest. Your kids are all grown up. What am I going to do in this house? Um, it can be grieving a pet. It can be, there's so many things that we grieve. What we grieve, what is important to us, what we love, um, what has not just a special place in our heart, but just takes up a space in us, period. And so there are so many different, the death of a relationship. Oh my God. Right, because right. at least, you know, with my fiance, it was hard, but then you have people that are walking around divorced and they have a spouse that is not dead that has all of this information about them they were intimate not just physically but emotionally mentally spiritually you know what i mean right. so there's so many avenues and so many ways that one can actually grieve and so i think that um the journey has actually helped me you know and all and so coupled with it you can't talk about grief without talking about healing oh, and so right. In so many instances, people want to move on to the next step without being healed. We do it in relationships. You see people, they break up, they move right on. It's like, no, dude, sit, sit down. You need to get yourself together. But right. we don't because we cannot stand the silence of us. And so now that goes back as a counselor. Let's start taking the layers off. Let's go back to childhood. Let's go back to adolescence. Where did this come from where you cannot be alone? Because you got to learn how to be alone. Yeah. Like at some point... And so there are just different avenues, but um, that's kind of what happened. And so I, I, I counsel people in the area of grief. I deal a lot with inner healing, um, soul, soul issues and things that people are trying to get past. I would say 85% of the clients that I meet with, typically when in our first session, 
it comes up about something from childhood. I mean, hands down, like that whole childhood raising kids is something serious. Like people out here having babies and stuff like that. Listen, you responsible for a whole lot as a parent. And so, um, speaking of that, Shelly, my daughter went to, went to uh, Puerto Rico. She's an right, adult, right. but uh, and it's, it's funny because speaking of that, I had to kind of like let go. Like she is an adult, faith. Yeah. it's gonna be all right. So, but you know, parents, there's there's so much that comes. There's so much responsibility and accountability because we're raising this human, and they become an adult one day. And so, a lot of times, I have to go back and deal with that little girl that never got healed, that young man that never got healed. Yeah, and and look, that's beautiful because we could we could sit there for a bit because one thing I learned in our in my exploration through recovery is that the childhood trauma is usually what is fueling the addict the addiction in the adult, right? And we know that the first seven years of a child is where they get the most of their programs, their subconscious programming. And that kind of dictates that they call it the default programming. So that's what they dictate. If they're in an environment where the parent is an alcoholic and abusive, you know, you usually see this a lot in men where the father's an alcoholic, he's abusive to the mother, then the, then the son grows up and he drinks and he's abusive to his wife. And then he says, oh, it was from my dad. And it's, and a lot of people say that's not a valid excuse, but he doesn't realize that he that's part of his subconscious programming. So he has to unlearn what he subconsciously processed. So that's deep because, um, and you know, also with adult children of alcoholics. So that's another thing that we call ACOA is in a recovery community. So part of the Sober is Dope podcast is we're healing from our addictions and our right. negative coping mechanisms. And nine, a lot of this has to do with our childhood trauma and some form of loss, right? So that's why it's perfect. And I want to use myself as a case study. I remember when my, my worst point of my addiction was when I went through a nasty break. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a nasty breakup. It was a, it was a breakup that I didn't see coming because my alcohol stupor made me feel high and mighty. I had this little God complex. I thought I was the man. And then the girl dumped me and I just literally lost it, right? And I, I just, it was destructive. I just kept drinking. I kept drinking. I wasn't eating and I couldn't think about anything. My friends was the guys used to laugh and be like, come on, man, there's no way this girl can have you this bent out of shape. Bigger than that, yeah. It was bigger than that. And I didn't know why. And even to this day, I probably did. I, I would think I was more disappointed in myself that my life fell to such a low point where this person had to leave. Right. And um, and then I had to then from that point, I continued to drink for two or three years, met the girl, my 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 boo that I'm with now, who I love. And I was with her throughout a lot of that journey. And we we used each other to help each other heal. But it wasn't until I really hit that. I hit a point of maturity in myself where I had to sit down and say, I, it's not about the person I'm with. It's about me and my drinking and how I'm you dealing with this loss. Yeah. So in your experience as a grief counselor, um, do you come, do you, do you notice any correlation between people using alcohol and drugs to numb the pain with, as far as grief and loss is concerned? I've not had uh, many cases of that, but I have had other forms of addiction Okay. Um, shopping, eating, um, sex, 
um, things of that sort, which is, I mean, addiction is addiction. It just depends on what your vice is. Absolutely. So, um, you know, a lot of times and people, you know, once we start the session and they begin to unpack and we begin to start, they're able to identify because really all you're really doing is kind of coaching somebody to answer what they already know and that okay. they don't on them all on their own. And sometimes you may need to put a context clue out, but yeah, addiction is a huge part, a huge part of um, people in terms of dealing with unresolved grief, right? Um, I mentioned earlier about complicated grief. It was a trip because um, I never heard of complicated grief. I didn't even know what that was right. until I went to Columbia and I sat there and I'm like, wow, like we did a, a number of case studies, watched some film, did some group studies and all of this stuff. And I'm just, and that's when you've reached a point where it goes beyond grief. Okay. And now it's like extended, like you are in a stupor and that's a whole nother level. And so, but when it comes going back to your original question about the addictions, absolutely. I think that, um, the addictions could be success. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. 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 Because what happens is you start to overachieve. Um, you're going to compensate now for what you didn't have. So when people look at, it's not just drugs and alcohol. There's so many other ways that you can become addicted to something and not even know it until it's like, hold on. It's like, why you always got to win? Now, don't get me wrong. We all want to win. Right. Right. But if, if winning is the only thing you care about, you got to go back now and feel about it. It's, it's something. Else. So my friends, whenever we're together, because I'm always like at some point in counselor mode, I'm like, you know what? And they're like, oh, well, here she go again. But it's so easy because that's my work. And right. I'm able, because I've been in painful situations on so many instances, when you've gone through, and, and there are people that have probably gone through more pain than I have, but for what my personal experiences have been, if it's nothing else that I can identify, I can identify pain. Right, right. I don't care how you try to disguise it, Louboutins, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, a, a, mm -hmm. a, 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 you know, a lace front, you know what I mean? The, the, the Maserati. That's right. Um, the right. penthouse, I see you. Right, correct. You know, and on the flip side, somebody that's total opposite of all of that, I see you. So it's like, I think again, Going back to love and pain, like I mentioned earlier, um, every human being, I don't care race, creed, color, nationality, ethnicity, we all want to be loved. And we all want to, at some point in our life, we're going to want to get out of some type of pain. And so when you can identify with where people are, then you can and you begin to empathize with where they are. And you can kind of start to hold them accountable for where they need to be. Um, some people I've learned in counseling, Everybody ain't on the fast track. Somebody just want to come and just talk. I'm about getting results. So I had to even learn that as a counselor, like you want to help because I want to, I want to help get you to this place. Some people just want, they enjoy being in that spot. Okay. That's and deep. Me, yeah. I'm like, you want to really pay me this kind of money hourly to sit up. Okay. And people were like, Faith, you know, you got to let them. And for me, I'm saying, no, you're wasting your money. Faith, if that's what they want, you can't force people. Like, I can't make a client want it. They made the first step. You know, I remember years, a few years ago, I was having this, this young man, he had a sex addiction. And his issue was he wanted to be faithful to his girlfriend, but he just couldn't help himself. Like, he was like, and he was in entertainment. Like, oh, if I man. call some of the people he was connected to, 
And so um, that was like my first like person that, uh, from that type of environment. And so we would have these conversations. And of course, it went back to his childhood with his mom yeah. and his dad and what he saw. But I would be like, you know, giving him the tips. And one day he said, um, can we slow down? This is too much. I said, go, am I going to? He said, yeah. Can we continue? I mean, we had been in the session for like 20 minutes. He was like, okay. bro, I can't do no more. You All know, right. he wasn't, but it was a choice. Unfortunately, him and the young lady ended up breaking up. Um, he just couldn't stop. And she finally came to a point where she was over it. Okay. Um, and so, but um, yeah, he had a major issue with um, wanting to um, be with women, um, entertaining, you know, because he was in the entertainment field. And so he had a major issue with all of that kind of stuff and just trying to um, not even fit in, but like just, hey, you know, I mean, they giving it up. Faith, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, but you can't do that. You said you love her. Right, I know I do. I really do. I'm like, but that ain't love, bro. Right, right. And that's the nature of addiction. It's like, I love the person I whip and, and, and I couldn't stop drinking. And that was the only thing they were, they wanted, right? It was like, well, you're a per you're a good person, but I can't deal, I with, can't deal with you. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. I know. And I, but I'm still thinking, how am I going to break up? It was also this, like this new relationship I had developed with the alcohol and the right. drug, which was my drug of choice. And um, that's how, and we always say addiction is insidious. In his case, the sex addiction was insidious. My case, the alcohol for the drug addict shopping. We call all non-substance abuse related addiction process addiction or behavior addictions like the sex, the gambling and stuff. So they one and the same and we address them all. And man, it's hard. So I think that's why I think therapy is important. I think talking to people like you and dealing with the counseling is important. I want to shift a bit to mental health. So we did a set, we did a series on the Sober's Dope podcast where we discussed mental health. And one of the things that kept coming up when we was talking about depression, and I think this might play on the complicated grief thing, I'm not sure, but it was how the brain responds to any form of loss. And we was talking about neuroplasticity, how the brain changes, right? It could be anything, the brain could change in a positive way or in a negative way. But when people experience loss, it usually affects their brain. And then that creates some form of mental health component, whether it's through the depression, anxiety, some form of mania or something like that. And when I went through these breakups or when I lost my dad, I think I was suffering from major depression. But because of my personality, I wouldn't really show the symptoms. I was because they call me pop for a reason. I'm much older now, so I'm way more chill. But when I was younger, I was always on a thousand. That's why they call me pop. And um, but people will always say pop's the happy guy. He's and it's usually those types, the person that's always smiling, the person that's always throwing the party, the happy person that's dealing with this pain. And I just thought that was fascinating. So any um, mental health, grief and loss, can you shed some light on that? Um, yeah. So grief and depression are two different things, right? And you said something when you talked about the complicated grief. So what happens is grief can mirror depression. Mm, there we go. Now, with you, it probably had become depression because you were so young when your dad passed. And based on what I'm hearing, it doesn't sound like you probably went through grief counseling. No, no. Okay, so what happened was you never had an outlet and it was still there. You know, 
they did what they could to take care of you. People probably stepped in and tried to try to compensate in terms of the loss of your dad. People tried to do as much as they could, probably, I'm assuming, right? Right, right. But that was their void. Nobody talked about it, whether it was talked about or not talked about. Nobody sat down with you to find out where you were. Right. 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 And so now you go from this 13-year-old kid that's experienced a loss. And maybe your mom or the people around you were just as lost as you were. Because I know when, when my fiance died, I have a daughter, I couldn't help my daughter. Like, I just, I wasn't in, I was a basket case. Oh, and so it wasn't until later that I realized that, oh my God, I, you know, like a couple of years later, like, oh my God, like I'm not, I'm not helping her. And right. so I started reaching out to do what I could to help. But in terms of the depression, it can get to a place where if you're not grieving in a healthy manner, and if you don't mind, can I get to some of the mechanisms that's going to help you Absolutely. process it? Yes. Okay. So the first thing is you need a counselor, right? Now, if your pastor happened to be a grief counselor, great. If you have insurance on your job and they send you to grief counseling, great. Um, sometimes if you have a loved one that has passed away, and they were on hospice. Sometimes hospice programs um, offer free counseling to immediate family, I mean, immediate relatives. And so um, you can get it there. Um, sometimes there are community agencies. Otherwise, you may have to pay for it. And let me stay here, I wanna park a bit. Okay. Because we spend money on everything. We're gonna make sure our specs are in tight. We're gonna have a mic makeup. We're gonna make sure our nails are done, ladies. We got bun, nine, cologne, and perfume. We're doing all of that, right? We're taking vacations to Dubai, but nobody wants to ever stop and really deal with that thing, like you say, that show up. And I look like I'm back because I'm I used to do comedy. So you know, faith is, and then I'm always, I'm told, you know, you're so strong. And the thing about being strong, no one ever checks to see if you're okay. That's right. That's right. The strong person is always overlooked. So I had to take care of me. Even now, there are things that go on sometimes with my family. And I'd be like, look, I got a mental break. I'm quick to do a staycation because I got to maintain and manage my mental health. Like I am not about to be out here in these streets and I'm putting on and whatnot and I'm not taking care of myself. So you got to spend money that I really don't want to spend. It's worth me maintaining my mental health. So the first thing is get a counselor. You know, you may need to look around. Um, a lot of times I know I offer consultations. Ha do a free consultation. Fill them out to see if you, you know, get, if you vibe with them. Because you may not, you know, there's so many different personality types, cool. right? The second thing is, is self-care. I mentioned a moment ago. Do things for you. Now, I don't mean indulge to the point where you just start to, um, it becomes an addiction. I'm talking about where you, you know, it may be go to the spa. It may be um, take that vacation that you just really didn't want to spend the money on. Now you got the money, but you don't want to spend it on it, right? Uh, if you don't really have the money, do something where you do a staycation. Go to um, a hotel, Airbnb, something you and some friends or you by yourself to do something, you know? Here's something real simple. Oh my God maybe like two years ago, and people probably have been doing this, This I'm, I'm late in the game, candles, listen, candles will bless your whole life. I, my favorite is eucalyptus. Man, mm. let me tell you something. It's something about that aroma that helps to relax you, that puts you, it brings you all the way down turn the lights down in the house, put a, and I ain't talking about setting the mood, but I'm talking about just to relax. 
Because sometimes the TV is too much, you know. People are like, did you see this show? I'm like, nope. Uh-uh. I can't take nothing else that's hard on the emotions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you watching all that, you have to de-plug. And so get you a TJ Maxx, Marshalls, um, different places like that. Have a candle section. Go, go spend $10, $20, $30. Get you a couple candles. That's going to help you. That's going to help um, you to calm down. Start to know when to not answer this. Right? Put it on do not disturb or turn it completely off. Whichever one is, helps you the most. Um, you got to start setting boundaries. If you know somebody going to agitate you, if you know a particular um, venue, a particular, sometimes it could be, listen, when you grieving, especially when you're talking about the loss of a loved one, you can smell a scent that reminds you of that person and it can send you in a whole spiral. So, and don't fight it. When it comes, let it happen. It's a roller coaster. That's right. You know, um, I was so embarrassed. I was in a meeting last year. I was in this meeting and I'm in this meeting with all of these men for this particular business thing that I was involved in. And um, something came up about uh, elderly insurance or elderly health. And I started talking about my parents. Now, here I am. That was 2019. Yeah. This happened in 15, 14. I'm, I've gone to grief counseling. I'm a grief counselor. I broke down. Wow. And you know, dudes are different. Right. <laughs> so everybody feeling all weird and uh, it was so awkward because of course it's messing with them because some of them had situations because they told me the next day, right. like, man, you almost had me. But the point is, is that it ripped. I wasn't expecting that. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They're like, yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Like, who does that? When yeah. I walked out, I was like, Faith, what were you thinking? But I'm human. You're human. That's it. That was my parents. I'm, I'm to my in a major meeting. We were having a conversation about that elderly stuff. And my parents weren't even old. Like my parents wasn't even 70 yet. And I broke down. So don't fight with when it comes. It may be uncomfortable. It may be at an inconvenient time, but you need to let it flow, especially when it's fresh. The relationship breakup, um, you know, the career change. Um, there's been so many. If I told you all my story, we'll be here all night. I ain't <laughs> being here. We were talking about grief tonight. But there's been so many aspects of grief, right, right. that I'm not going to get into for the purpose of time. Um, breathe. Now, I'm fortunate enough to live in South Florida. Okay. Literally, I am five minutes from the beach. Like, literally. Oh, wow. Awesome. Like, people... Vacation where I live. Right, right, nice. So, um, what I've recently started doing is going to the beach. Nice. Now, for you in other states, find something therapeutic. It may be Central Park if you're in New York. I don't know. Right. You know, if you're in California, it may be the beach. I I don't know, but find it may be mountain climbing. Find something that brings you back to nature. Um, often, sometimes, um, prior to COVID. I would sometimes do sessions where I would intentionally schedule the session at the beach mm -hmm. and I would take my client at different points of me counseling them, depending upon what I knew we were going to be discussing. I would set the appointment at the beach and they come and they park and we meet up. And one of the things I always do, my purpose is, well, first of all, the beach is beautiful, but my main reason for doing it is I always tell them to look out in the ocean and they'll look out and I'm like, what do you see? I see the water. What else do you see? I see the sky. I see birds. 
I'm like, well, does it look, because in Florida, I mean, the beach is so beautiful. I said, does it kind of look like the sky got pulled down and there's a backdrop behind the water? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, did we do that? And she's looking at me like, what? I'm like, did we? Who did that? And they're like, God? (laughs) (laughs) God. And I'm like, yeah. I said, so if he did that, and it's still here, and there are hurricanes here, all kind of weather stuff has happened here, and it's still intact. If he can take care of that, what you think about the girl? Girl, what you think about the stuff you got going on? Wow. Wow. Powerful. So now, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen tomorrow, but you get where I'm going with this? 100%. 100%. So now that's in a counseling session I'm able to go. Sometimes I go by myself because there's so much going on, especially in 2020. It's just been a year. Right. I got to go and just walk, you know, look at the water, put my feet in, see people doing stuff, whatever. The other thing you can do, I said, being allow yourself to be emotional, breathe, take deep breath, journal. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to go back because you did exhale. So yeah, breathe, practice breathing, inhale and exhale, especially when you get up in the morning, when you get up in the water in the morning, making sure you drink lots of water. Okay. Keep yourself hydrated, not necessarily with caffeinated drinks. And I know we people got Starbucks addictions and all that good stuff, but make sure you're staying well hydrated. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. If you already had pre-existing conditions prior to your grief, it can get very um, agitated because of the grief, because stress brings on other problems with your body. So be very careful not to overindulge, you know what I mean? You're going to have an ice cream cone, a cookie, fine, do it. But just be mindful. If you know you're already diabetic, be careful with having the sugar cravings. Just use wisdom because you don't want to end up going through grief and now you're dealing with a health problem, right? You get something because of that. And so, yeah, journal. I actually um, didn't even think about it. Um, during the time and at one point I was journaling a lot I was able to use a lot of that for my first book that I wrote called Live Again and so um, the journaling is important it's because it's very cathartic and it helps you to go back and to be able to reflect on where you were so day 10 of your grief and day 110 look very different in terms of your journaling or they can look very much alike Mm. But in between page 10 and 110, there may be peaks and valleys. And you're like, oh my God. Because when you come out of something, for example, when I had my daughter, they would say, oh my God, you know, childbirth is hard. And I had what they call back labor, which is supposed to be extremely intense. Okay. So they were like, you're not going to remember. And I'm like, oh, I'll remember. No, you're not. I promise you. I don't remember the pain. I just know it was bad. Oh, wow. I, don't remember. I just okay. knew that I only have one child. Yes. One. one. That's how great the pain was. We wow. You know, I wasn't married either, so we weren't trying to continue that kind of wedlock. But yeah. the point I'm making is um, you're not going to remember the intensity of it and, the, and what you experienced because you may not come out being a grief counselor like I did. Right. But there may be things that you discover in terms of your purpose as you're journaling. And that journal one day could be worth a whole, you could end up monetizing on this pain. Right. So if you go the right route, what intended to come and you thought was going to take you out could be the very thing that will be used in your life 
to catapult you. You're here today because who would have known that this kid at 13 years old loses his dad and so many children have lost their dad, but not everybody is doing a pop podcast. Not everybody is, is like us and wanting to get in where we fit into like, man, I want to help in this situation. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so they could become passionate about something else. It could be style and hair. Like, oh my God, I always loved hair, but I just can't stand to see people wig twisted. So I really want to get into that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that feel, you know, I don't like to see guys when they're not groomed properly. So whatever it is, that thing can become awakened because let me tell you, pain and grief has a way like none other of bringing out your purpose and highlighting more of it if you're already in it. You start to see it from different angles and different perspectives. And you begin to see things that are different light. And watch this. What sometimes what used to matter the most, your your priorities are reprogrammed. They're re everything is redone over. You like, I don't even care about that. You don't care. Because mm. you it, it's not that you don't care about it, it doesn't hold the same weight that it used to. Mm. Excellent. So you wow. you journal, you write, take a mental health day, you know. Do something for you. Do something with the kids, the spouse. Maybe do something alone. But whatever you do, at the end of the day, you got to take care of you. Um, let's see. A movement. He started um, Sober is Dope. Right. I started Live Again and a, a number of other things that I'm doing to help people. Because right. I have a passion, almost a burden. Sometimes it's overwhelming to really help people. The yeah. thing is, I had to monetize it because we wouldn't be able to do Zoom if <laughs> we didn't have resources to have this electricity on in this house. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's you know right. what I'm saying? I got to eat. <laughs> I need soap and water. I got to wash my hair and yeah. all that good stuff. Right. So while you're pursuing purpose, there are ways to monetize books, speaking engagements, um, conferences and everything ain't about the money, but money follows passion and purpose. Absolutely. 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 Look at that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, look at all of that value there. I love that. And you know, one thing you touched on was certain, like what happened to you in that meeting, something they said about the insurance triggered you right. So in recovery, we have to understand and watch our triggers and, and when dealing with grief, you have to pay attention to what your triggers are and don't be afraid to let it happen. And so yeah. process those emotions, right? Um, unprocessed emotions is one of the most detrimental things to us in our mental health when we, um, you know, it's this new idea called the body keeps the score. When you don't process emotions, they get stuck in the body and you get all jammed up, right? And um, so it's important to process the emotions. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, what do you recommend a person do when someone close to them experience a loss? Like, what do we say? What, you know, that's always the most uncomfortable thing. Well, what do you say to a person without sounding like a total, like, idiot? You know, you want to be helpful. You want to be compassionate, but you don't want to be, like, generic at the same time. You know what? And I'm glad you asked that because one of the things that when I'm dealing with people that are grieving, um, two things I tell them to do. One, you know, be mindful because you're very vulnerable. So be mindful of people that are coming into your space with their own motives. Okay. Now, once you know your people have your best interests, you've already weeded out the other stuff. Okay. 
the other individual that wants to help the person that's grieving, a lot of times it's just being there. Mm, okay. All right. Just being there. We overthink it, especially if you've not experienced it. So you get weird and awkward and you say stuff that end up agitating the person that's in grief. Right. And so, and I've seen this and I've experienced it. And the person really genuinely is trying to help, but they have a knee-jerk reaction as, what, as to what to do. The most important thing you can do is to show up and be there. If it's listen, listen. If it's can you take me to the store, take them to the store. If it's, oh my God, I'm so hungry, I don't feel like cooking, take them something to eat. You know, and I'm not talking about right around the time when the person died, whatever the loss. It may be months later. If it's, um, you know, I have this coming up, you know, um, you know, ordinarily my mama would have been here. Ordinarily my husband, I'm talking about the people that they could have lost, right? Would have been here. Go with them, right? Um, show up. Show like you. this texting thing when somebody died, like my mom died and some people were texting me. But they don't know no better because I ain't trying to be funny. I'm not a millennial, right? Okay, but right, right. I'll call myself, I'm definitely not a baby boomer, okay. but I, I call myself Bridger. Okay. I'm, I'm, a Bridger, I think I'm there you know. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I can I, I have, but I have old people wisdom. I, I have an old soul. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like and no, nobody has taught them. Like, baby, you don't text people when they lose their mother. That's that's not that's not proper etiquette, right? Okay. But nobody's teaching us this. So um, pick up the phone, call. You know, now with COVID, you can Zoom, you can FaceTime. Um, let texting be your absolute last resort. Um, but if you're right there, it may be to listen. It may be to tell them it's going to be okay eventually, you know? You just have to kind of like have discernment because you're not going to always know, but nothing out trumps just being present and showing up. Wow. Okay. That's, that's, it's real. not, it ain't that deep. Like people make it harder than what it is. You know, I tried to be there for her, but you didn't show up. Yeah. Because sometimes like not, and let me say this, sometimes to the person that's trying to help relieve the grief, they're so uncomfortable that they start to push back. You can't do that. Now, if the person pushes you away and wants their space, you respect that. And then depending, depending upon the relationship, when you see a person about the nosedive and you see them really going to a low place, depending upon the relationship, you may have to step in and rescue. Okay. You know, we getting you out this house. Oh, I'm sitting here with you. Are oh, you in your room with the shades? I'm getting in your bed too. I don't okay. want you in my bed. Well, we gonna get in the bed together. Look, you want me to put the shades up or down? Cause I ain't going nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think these are things that are, aren't taught, right? Right. These are things that are in books. Um, people don't, we talk about a lot of the conventional, like really book put together stuff, but it's right. real practical. It's practical. It's practical. Um, in some cases, what are, like, what if it's a, a trigger for someone and they want to be there for the person, but uh, the death that the other person experiencing could be a trigger for them and it just shuts them down. What do they do in that situation? And you explain that. Okay. Right? Okay. Recently, a very good friend of mine lost his grandmother. His grandmother's in the Bahamas. He's Bahamian. So he was going back and forth whether or not he was going to be. Well, his mom died, I don't know, maybe like 10, 15 years ago. So immediately when it happened, I knew what was happening. So he's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to the funeral. You know, I'm not sure because, and he's like, well, you know what? You got to take the COVID test and the this. And I'm like, we, we make happen what we want to happen. Yeah, the right. real deal was it was too much for him. Okay. 
He okay. could not handle. He wanted to be there for his aunts and his family, but the reminder to go back. Correct. To not bury my mother's mother, it takes me too low. And yeah. he, you know, you know, I don't counsel my friends, but I knew what was happening. Okay. So you can be honest and say, you know what? I am so sorry. I was MIA. Oh, I'm going to be MIA for the next couple of days because this is hard for me because I'm still dealing with mama's death. I'm still dealing with John died. You know, whatever okay. it is. Be okay. honest about it. Be honest I about it. Just, uh, Pop, I think we just real, really have a hard time just telling the truth. Like, it's not that hard. I think um, that when you're open and honest, because people deal with so much pride. Oh, my God. We're going to deal with pride. In <laughs> yeah. Podcast. I know. <laughs> but because <laughs> that's really what it is. It's like, yeah. bro, don't none of us have it all together. Trust me. My mama used to say, keep living. As long as you're living, there's going to be some things in life that we experience that is going to knock the wind out of us. That's just how it is. But the good thing about it is that we don't stay down, don't right? Stay down. So when you get up, what did you get up with? That's right. And so you're wanting to be there, be there. It's going to be too much for you. Communicate that. Right. That's real. That's beautiful. You know, now listen, I'm going to let you know. I'm, I'm willing to come, but I may be crying worse than you when we get started. Yeah, correct. Correct. Be and that right. may be what they need. You just never know. Um, When my dad died, um, the funeral home brought some of the flowers to to my parents' home, right? Right. Um, they left some at the cemetery, but they brought like all these funeral, and I was hot. So for like a week, <laughs> it was like a cemetery because my dad was well known. Yeah. So one day I was outside in, in my parents' yard and I was walking around talking to someone on the phone, pacing back and forth down the sidewalk. So the garbage, the sanitation worker, garbage man came and he um got out and I'm walking and I'm talking and he's like excuse me and I'm like hold on yes and he was like did Mr. Eddie die and I was like yeah we buried him last week and he just broke down oh man wow right and I told the person then I gotta go I got a situation okay so he starts to tell me how you know my dad had been there for him and and there were times my dad did favors for him. It was so funny because like, one time I needed to borrow some money, you let me borrow it, but I paid it back. And it was, I was kind of laughing. Yeah. He, said, um, he said, but when he got on dialysis, you know, he had the port and he can't do a lot of lifting. And I, I always told him, don't worry about the garbage because you, know, you got to take the garbage from the, from where we, from the house to the road so they can pick right. it up. You know, whatever. Right. And so he was like, and I'll still, I mean, I had to sit in literally, I guess that was the beginning of my grief counseling. Right. I had to counsel and help console. Yeah. And it was only like a week after my dad had buried yeah. my dad. And another guy came, my parents were in ministry and they had a church or whatever. And a gentleman came by the house. He hadn't seen them. He's like, I ain't seen, he used to call him mom and pop. I ain't seen mom and pop in a while. How they doing? What's up? And I'm like, they both died. And here we go. Wow. Wow. So I was the immediate relative, but I've had to be in positions where I've had to help people in the moment because they didn't know. And I didn't break down, but I could have, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, but at that moment, it would have been all right. So I'm saying for that individual that's saying it's too much for me, it makes me feel weird. It takes me, listen, you keep internalizing that stuff. That's what's wrong with you now. You never dealt with it. 
So now somebody else dealing with it, you can't even halfway start to begin to help them as a friend, as a spouse, as a a co-worker, as whatever you are, a family member. You know, I think that um, selflessness is everything. Amen. Amen. I get that. That's right. That's right. Wow. Faith, that's a lot. And you gave us a lot today. And thank you because, you know, with the state of the country right now with COVID, you know, last like in the last six months, I mean, I must have lost at least 100 friends through, you know, secondary friends, third friends. You know, you hear it, my friend. It's, uh, it's the six degrees of separation. So with Facebook, you know, you see someone that's close to you, they cousin. You may not know them, but it's right there. And you're seeing all of this stuff happening. And then you have to make peace with it. What I'm starting to realize now, and this is really important, um, because I worry a lot uh, about the people I love, you know, uh, my mother and people in my family. Worry in terms of them not being here? No, worry, like the elders in my family, being experiencing death so much, you start worrying about people like, I don't like what, I don't want nothing to happen to this one. And my uncle's getting older and you start realizing that the next generation is that, you know, this that point. Yeah. As I get older, I'm growing into my manhood. I'm 41 years old. You know, I'm not, and I'm looking at my elders and I just remember it was all like yesterday. We all was young yesterday. Like they have more time behind them in front of them. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, and I'm starting to realize that my faith and understanding God and knowing that my dad, my dad died so many years ago, I still see him in my dreams. I'm starting to try to really have a healthy perspective when it comes to death, that I have to understand it's part of life, right? And that we all going to have to go down that road. And it doesn't have to be such a dark and sad thing all the time. And I know that's hard, but I'm starting to say, well, everything, even I see, I'm conscious now, I see a fly past me and I know the life cycle of a fly is like, a couple of days but the fly doesn't know that and it's just we take these things for granted it's a circle yeah. of life and i'm just trying to put it into a healthy perspective so i don't get so bent out of shot i mean i would get bent like someone passes like oh the world's over and it's just this darkness and i'm like one thing i could say is when my dad died on his funeral he had a gigantic smile on his face and he was a tough guy he was tough like it was no sucker in him he was just like like you don't make men like that no more like your dad you know what i mean they don't make those yeah yeah and the one thing his parting gift to us was like yo you couldn't be sad at his wake you couldn't it's no way his smile was crazy it was like he had this big perfect smile he looked perfect and it was just like, we was like, ah, oh, he got the last laugh. Like, it was funny because he was yeah. like, and and in that way, I always remember that what maybe what he saw in passing was something so beautiful. He, the one message he could send to us, the confirmation was that one smile, the one thing he could have worked out. Um, and that's just a testimony to anyone out there that's struggling. And I remember that and that helps me. Let me say this. It's funny that you say that because when my mother passed, um, she was on hospice and she passed away at home. When my mother passed, as God is my witness, you would have thought somebody put a ring light underneath her pillow. That's how bright her face was. She was glowing. Wow. Amazing. And we sit here like, OMG. So it's something about when people die in a peaceful state that's totally different. But I want to address when you talked about your elders. Yes. So in that instance, yes. because um, I can relate, I've lost my parents and my parents weren't necessarily old. 
Okay. Um, my grandparents, all of my grandparents are deceased. Okay. I have aunts and uncles on my mom and my dad's side, but I have one elder, one of my dad, one of my great aunts, she's like 95 now. And visit, make up, situ- make up get togethers just to include them. Okay. outside of Christmas and Thanksgiving and what y'all, you know, I know now it's a little bit different because the, the older people have, a lot of them have sometimes pre-existing conditions. Right. And so we're trying to be really careful with COVID. But um, I would say pop make the best of it because at the end of the day, you have to pro- you have to start thinking. Now, I'm fortunate enough to walk close enough. And when I make the statement, it, some people still going to pick it up and think I'm being arrogant or thinking I'm whatever, but it's my experience. So I'm going to put it out there. Right. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to have a close enough relationship with the Lord where he began to tell me when my parents were going to pass. Wow. He literally spoke to me two years before my dad passed away and I bawled. I was in prayer one day and he's like, I'm taking your dad. And I thought it was going to be like tomorrow. And it was like, no, he's preparing your heart. So when it happened, of course I hurt and it was difficult or whatever, but it was different because he prepared me with my mom. uh, Two weeks after we buried my father, I had a dream about my mother. Okay. And me and these ladies were ladies that I did not know were getting, we had the same exact cars for my dad's funeral in this dream. And we were getting ready to get in this car. And when we got ready to get in the car, the only person that got in the car was my mom. The door closed and I woke up and I'm thinking, OMG. Wow. Um, and then I had a dream about two months of another dream about two months right before she died. So God deals and everybody don't get that. Yeah. But I was fortunate enough for it. But that helped me to prepare. So a lot of the decisions I've made, I made them based on what I knew was about to happen. So family got mad. I couldn't, certain things I couldn't reveal because it's like, oh, who she, who she thinks she, you know, I knew what I knew. I told one of my siblings, I'm like, listen, this is what can happen. Mama getting ready to go. You think so? I'm like, I know so. You know, I, don't, I can't tell you when, but I had this dream. They kind of broke down, but they came back afterwards like, man, you, God mm. showed you. So I'm fortunate enough that he will show us, but sometimes people lose people. My, my fiance was unexpected. Now, even then, my relationship was, I wasn't as close to God as I am now, but I had a bunch, a series of dreams about death. Yes. And he just kept preparing me. So what I'm saying is cherish it. And I think that's what everybody's saying now. Cherish those people that you love. Mm. Treat them right. Do what's right because it's right. Don't do what's right because somebody watching you, somebody going to report back. Do it like your life depended on it. If you live like that, you don't have no regrets when they leave. Oh, amen. Amen. Faith, thank you so much. Um, before you go, can you tell us about Faith Works and your ministry and um, how has that helped you and everything? And um, do you want to briefly, can you talk to us about that? Sure. So um, Faith Works is my personal. Um, I love the name, by the way, Faith Works. Is- <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my personal Instagram. But my other Instagram for business is Live Again CC. Okay. Um, Twitter is living in CC. Facebook okay. is living in CC. I also okay. have a personal Facebook of Faith Dickens. Um, when you go to any of my pages, you're going to pretty much see the same thing. I'm talking about healing, grief. Um, every now and then I might re- mention relationships in the terms of healthy relationships, not necessarily love interests, right? Yeah, but right. just how we interact in terms of our relationships. Yes. So you'll see a lot of that on my pages. Um, you'll see some quotes about rela- uh, our prayer life. 
Um, like I said, I'm a minister as well. And so um, that work is very, very important to me. Um, it's a work that I was thrust into, not because people lose family members every day. He chose me for this. Yeah. And um, I also do a lot of community stuff. And so that's something next that I'm venturing out with some other um, partners to start a nonprofit and dealing with our youth, um, starting to prepare them for understanding more about um, politics, more about who they are as African-American, you know, brown and black children. Um, yeah. That's something that we're going to be doing. I'm also working on some things concerning um just the overall community in terms of um, finance, um, you know, mental health, um, just just trying to get our people together for the part that God has called me to do. I always tell people mm -hmm. I'm not called to everybody, but I'm definitely going to reach the ones I'm called to. Amen. So um, you can reach me on those social media outlets. You can also reach me at www.liveagaincs.com and um, hit me up. You know, I'm here. I love to help people, and that's generic. I love to help people get past pain so that they can get in purpose and live the life that they were intended to live. Listen, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from Faith Dickens herself. This has been an amazing episode one that really touched me deeply. And I just want to thank you, Faith. And if you're out there and you're struggling in any way, you know, you know, you can reach out to Faith, you can find her links, I'll link you guys. And just remember, you know, go through the motions, process it, take care of your mental health, don't be afraid to grieve and, you know, things that come together in time and have faith. You know, um, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll love to have you on at any time. You know, and so you're part of the Sobers Dope family. God bless you. And thanks again, Faith. I'll catch you on the other side, everyone. Awesome. Right.